Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family, because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate and I have Meredith Delbridge joining me again. If you haven't already listened to a couple of our sessions, we've had some awesome conversations about just eating disorders, body image, those type of related topics. And so this one was one I was really excited to talk with Meredith about diet culture and body image because I think this unfortunately plagues our American way of life. And so I want to hear from the expert, Meredith. And like I shared before, we have known each other from attending the same church for a while, um, doing some counseling together, and then also working in the real estate realm. So we have lots of connections, which is awesome. And so Meredith, go ahead and jump in, introduce yourself. And then I want to get through these questions because I have really great ones. And I think our listeners will really want to hear them. So tell us who you are. Yeah. So I'm Meredith and I am a licensed clinical mentor health counselor. I have a practice in North Raleigh. I work with adults, adolescents. Um, I specialize in treating eating disorders. So I have my certification as an eating disorder specialist, but I also work with, you know, people of all kinds who just want to work through any kind of general mental health. So we'll um, get your contact information out there. So if anyone listening says, I want to reach out to Meredith, know that it'll be here um, for you to connect with her. But let's jump into this diet culture and body image topic that I think um, will affect a lot of us. And so how do you see this diet culture hurting us as individuals spiritually and emotionally? How are you seeing that from a clinical perspective? Yeah. So I think from a spiritual standpoint, I really think that diet culture is a tool that the enemy uses to distract us. Hmm. So I just see it being such a distraction from so many things in our lives, you know, whether it's even just, you know, the way that it can take people away from their families or their friendships or their marriages, um, whether it's like physically taking them away because they're wanting to be at the gym or all the time or just mentally, you know, being just distracted and thinking about, you know, what they ate or what they didn't eat or how they feel about their body and the way that that makes them feel. And so I think honestly, I just see it being such a distraction. And I feel like, you know, I know so many just awesome, like strong, successful women who really like spend so much of their time and energy focused on their bodies and food and you know, I often think, you know, goodness, like what could we be doing with all of this time and energy? Um, and even just in terms of how we serve, you know, like serve the Lord, but even just spiritually, just, you know, our relationship with the Lord. And so I think it, it pulls us away from that. I think um, it causes us to focus on ourselves rather than, you know, be others focused. And so I think there's a lot of, a lot of aspects that, that impact, um, impact us spiritually when we're focused on dieting or our bodies. Um, and I think that spills over into the emotional component as well. So I think, you know, for anyone that has been on a diet, <laughs> you probably know that 
it's not fun. And, you know, you might feel hungry a lot of the time and that often makes you cranky. <laughs> and I think emotionally it makes you not feel so good. I think I often think of it as like an emotional roller coaster, right? Like you might lose a little bit of weight and feel amazing and then you gain it back and you feel horrible. And, you know, maybe physically you feel horrible. Um, but I think from an emotional standpoint, I do think there's so much um, there's so many highs, so many lows, and I don't think that's a great place for us to be. I think having kind of more of like a stable, you know, relationship with food allows us to have kind of a steady emotional place, you know, in other areas of our lives too. And I would say, I, I said this after I had Parker, I felt like the first year of his life, I was, I was there physically, but mentally I was very distracted because I was so uncomfortable with my postpartum nursing body that I felt like I missed that year. And it, it gives me such pain. I remember feeling that in the moment of like, I'm missing this, I'm missing this because I'm so over hyper focused on something that has little to no eternal value at all. Right. And um, I'm missing really important milestones and just sweet time with him. So I can totally relate to that for yeah. sure. And and then I think there's been studies. I don't know if it was World War II, um, Holocaust related, but these people that had been starved to death and then they bring food in picture form where they become obsessed with cookbooks or whatever, just dreaming and thinking about food. And you just think about that's kind of what's happening. I would think with dieting, when you're taking away something that your body, body either needs, wants, or craves, now you have this hypersensitivity and focus on it. So now it's like, you can't even focus on work well or being with your kids well, because you're thinking about the next meal or whatever it is that you're craving. So it's just a really unhealthy cycle to be on and mental space to be in. Yes, for sure. And I think you touched on something so important that I think diets tend to like create this sense of deprivation. Mm -hmm. So you're deprived. And so what happens is, of course, you're thinking about food all the time. You know, it's like if you tell your child, you can play with any toy except for that one, which toy do they want to play with, right? That's the only one they want to play with. So it's, I think it's like that with food where when we say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop eating this food group or I'm going to stop eating desserts or immediately I think your body starts craving or wanting the things that you're telling it, it can't have. And so it can become this obsessive, you know, mindset, which, you know, just isn't healthy. Um, and it doesn't feel good. Agreed. Moving on to the next question. What are the repercussions physically of our diet culture? What are you seeing? I mean, we're talking about the emotional space, but what about physically? Yeah. So physically. So, you know, the first thing I'll say is that for a lot of people, they could just innocently say, oh, you know, I want to just lose a few pounds. Like I want to feel better. Summer's coming. And that can trigger a full-blown eating disorder. And I've seen that happen with so many of my clients. And, and you know, it, it, it also happens where people can diet and that doesn't happen. So it doesn't happen to every single person, but it is definitely a precursor to developing an eating disorder. So it's diets are diets can be really dangerous. Um, I would also say physically that, you know, I often think of like chronic dieters or people that are, you know, chronically dieting, think of like kind of more of like a yo-yo diet where people are losing weight and then they're gaining the weight back. And then sometimes they're gaining more back and then they're losing it again and they're gaining it, you know? And so it's this cycle and what happens, it's called weight cycling. And what happens is, 
you know, that puts a lot of stress on your body over time when you're continuing to lose and gain and lose and gain. And it's honestly, it's, it's not healthy for your cardiovascular system. It's, you know, it can be, it can be really unhealthy for your body. I also think just from, you know, physically, when I think about how God designed our bodies, I think he was really intentional about how he made us. And, you know, I think about like plants, right? Like they need sunlight and chlorophyll and carbon dioxide or whatever else they need to, you know, to make food um, for themselves. But he didn't make us that way. Like he gave us taste buds where we can taste and we can enjoy food. And he gave us the ability to experience hunger and feel when we're hungry and, and to feel fullness and to know when we're full. And so when we experience like physical symptoms, like hunger and we, you know, what diet culture would say is that, you know, if sometimes when we're hungry, we're not supposed to eat something. So what we're doing is we're essentially ignoring hunger cues. And, and, um, and I think that, you know, ultimately I think that that creates this place where we're not in alignment with like how God ultimately designed our bodies to function physically. So that's another thing I think about, you know, just from the standpoint of diets and, and, you know, when we stop listening to our bodies, I think it throws so many things out of whack. You know, sometimes people lose their hunger and fullness cues completely because they've ignored them for so long. And that's, you know, again, that's not a great place to be. So I think there's a lot of physical ramifications and, but those are, those are a few. Yeah. I think of like in college when this became something for me, just amenorrhea being something where a woman loses her yeah. menstrual cycle. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think it can definitely impact your ability potentially to get pregnant because if your body feels a state of starvation, I think it's harder. It can be harder for it to say this is a safe place to um, develop a child. I've definitely heard that before, just like stress, but also starvation or over-exercising where it's not a safe place for a baby to be born um, or raised um, and grown in the womb. So I think of that. And then I think of all of the chemical imbalances that happen in your brain as you're just really messing with a very scientific but god-given ordained system that works but when we start messing with our our minerals and our um the electrolytes and you know then seeing that we're running off of adrenaline versus running off of the fuel we need from food and just how that can like zap our chemical stores of hormones and all those types of balances we need and i think the other thing is like our body wants a sense of homeostasis. So when you said that weight cycling, I think is what you called it. I've never heard of that before, but our body wants to be at a a homeostasis, a safe kind of place. And so that yo-yo of going up, coming down, going up versus just maintaining homeostasis, that's something to consider. Like, is it worth the agony that it takes to lose that five to 10 pounds when you're just going to gain it back? Once you go back, your body pulls you back to homeostasis. Yeah. And I think even like a deeper question is like, why, you know, like you can go to all that trouble and, you know, you're cycling. And again, it's like this distraction. It's taking up so much time. It's taking up so much energy. It's taking up so much thought and sometimes money. And, 
And it's like, for what, you know, like what is ultimately underneath that? That's, you know, that's so important. And I think that can also be, I didn't mention this, I don't think, but spiritually it can be, you know, because it's an idol, it's something that we're, you know, that feels so important that whether it's identity or it, how it defines us, how, how we appear to other people. Um, so I think it goes pretty deep. It can. So and what would you recommend then? Because this is the culture that we live in. And I think it's interesting, you know, from when I was being raised, it was like the fat free diet. And then it became the Adkins diet of high fat. And then, you know, now we've got paleo, keto, whole third, like it goes on and on, but it, it seems like it cycles like low carb, high carb, you know, just so we think we've got the magic bullet or the magic pill that's going to cure all of our, our weight struggles with these new diets that aren't new, they're from old, but we're just manipulating our body for seasons to try and get results. So what, how would you encourage us that live in this world that it's having negative effects on us physically, emotionally, spiritually, to navigate it. What do we do? We're in it. We can't get out of it. What do we do? Yeah, it's such a good question and so hard. So I think, you know, we are all in this world, right? Like we're living under the same diet culture. And um, I think it's first really important to acknowledge that it's a 70 plus billion dollar industry. So I think like recognizing that there's probably quite a bit of deception going on, <laughs> you know, that we're all a little deceived by it, that we spend so much money, you know, um, pouring into this industry that isn't really fixing anything. It's not really helping anything. It's just, it's profitable. You know, I, I tend to think about, you know, just, you know, just because we are hearing or seeing messages about, you know, having certain kinds of bodies or being fit enough or, you know, fitting a certain size or comparing ourselves to this person or that person or the kind of media that we expose ourselves to, I think we have to be really discerning about what we choose to input because it's, we can't get away from it. Like we're going to be around it. And so I often tell people like who you surround yourself with, that's important, you know, and the kinds of things that you expose yourself to, like that's important. And I feel like it's a pretty, it's like a more common topic for people to kind of talk about like, you know, filtering their social media, like seeing what, you know, something doesn't serve you, like maybe don't look at it. Or, you know, if something's not healthy, then then unfollow or, you know, don't, don't be looking at things that are not going to be helpful for your mental health. But I think with diet culture, I think it goes beyond that. It's like, what kind of movies are you watching? What kind of people are you seeing? What kind of, you know, when you listen to podcasts, like what kind of, what are they talking about? And you know, I think that diet culture reaches so far that you could listen to like any topic of anything and you're going to hear someone make a joke about how, you know, about their body or they're going to make a joke about, you know, how they ate too much or how they need to lose weight. And, you know, you can't escape it. But I think it's just like, how do we learn to be discerning and and see where maybe there's deception or lies that we're believing about about our bodies. I think that's, you know, um, one, <laughs> one way that we can kind of um, navigate that. And I think I've shared that before of like, I don't know when it was, but years past, I said, I am not going to look at magazines, specifically fitness ones, right. body image focus ones. Like I can't handle that. Whereas other people can, right. I can't, it is not good for me. 
right. think I saw a stat one time of like how bad a woman feels about themselves after looking at a, a magazine cover, even in the checkout mm -hmm. line at a grocery store, like your, your self-esteem, your feel goodness drops drastically. It's like, it's not yeah. worth it to me, even though it can be tempting to say, I want that. I want to read more or look at more. All it is, is pulling you down a very dark rabbit hole. Right. And so I've got a pretty hard and fast on that. Like I just yeah. don't, I'm not bringing them into my home. Yeah. I'm not looking at them because I, I can't handle that type of input. Like you said, like be discerning. And then a lot, I mean, I'm very rigid about what I watch because it can just take me down a path. I don't want to go on yeah. to where now I'm angry. I'm, you know, outlashing on my kids because I'm feeling I don't measure up to what our culture has said is supposed to be. Okay. And so I think that's really wise to think about that for sure. What you're exposing yourself to, um, what your kids are being exposed to through you or not. And yeah, trying to eliminate, you can't totally live in a bubble, but eliminate that and surround yourself with other people that are aware of that not being a healthy Right. to bring right. into our eyes. Like it says in the Bible, like Job made a covenant with his eyes. I, I feel like that verse was for me too. Um, not just men to make a covenant with their eyes, but for me to not same thing, like a man lusting over a woman, me doing the same thing, but wanting what they have right? because it's, it meets the standard that I have in my mind or what our culture has said is mm -hmm. the standard. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's so true. And, you know, I think it's, it's hard because it's, you know, it is all around us, but I think, I think the other thing, and I'll just say this real quick, but I think that that's also why it's so important to be rooted, like to know who you really are, like in Christ and like, who, like what your real identity is, because it's so easy to see all of these different things. And, you know, whether it's images, people's conversations, you know, what people are choosing to do or where or whatever like might impact you it's like i think the more like rooted you are like i don't it's not that i think those things won't affect you at all but i think that as you build yourself up in christ like i think those things don't have the same power over you and so i think that's another thing that can also be helpful it's just like know your worth like know like who you are in christ and i think that like out of that like your reaction or the impact that diet culture has on you i just don't think it will have the same power in the end that's so good and i what thought came to my mind when you were saying is that is like a man wants a woman who is not obsessed with those things because it's miserable to live with i mean ask jed but in it, it's it's like a shell of a woman versus someone who right. isn't so obsessed with being the best and perfect and beautiful based on a standard that's not realistic. Instead, they're accepting of who they are and have compassion for other people. Like you said, they're not so navel gazing that they can't see other people and right. appreciate their beauty and gifts that aren't necessarily physical, but just what they have to mm -hmm. offer. Right. You know, so I think that's something to consider because as much as I think women think a man wants this beauty idol picture, I think really what they want is someone who's real that they can connect with and love and who loves them on a deeper level, not just a physical level that's going to fade. So yeah. a couple more questions for you. How do we distinguish between or how do you distinguish between body focused American culture and body image obsession? So, you know, I actually don't know if I can distinguish between the two. I don't know. Like, I'm curious to hear what you think about that. I mean, 
I think there, you know, there might be like a shade of gray in there where there's maybe a little bit of a difference. But I think when I think about trying to distinguish, I think it kind of goes back to like motives and heart. And for one person, what could be like, you know, obsession for another person, you know, it might, it might not be. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think there are definitely things we could say are obsessive or, you know, that are not, but I do think that there's, you know, this nuance of like, you know, I think it, some of it is like your motives and your heart and your what's happening in your head for someone that maybe, you know, exercises 30 minutes a day, we might say, well, that's really like moderate. That's no big deal. But for someone like if they don't get that 30 minutes in and it ruins their day, I would say that's obsessive, even though we would say, well, that's just like a body focused American. Like they just want to get their workout in. I would say, I don't know. Like, I don't think it should impact your mood if you miss your workout. I mean, it's something that makes you feel good and it, you know, relieves stress and, um, and you might really enjoy it. So it's a bummer, but you know, so I don't know. I'm curious what you think about that. So I just read a book. It's called, um, dinner for two and it's very good. I'd highly, highly recommend it, but just about a woman who has an eating disorder and navigating it with her Christian husband as they work through it. And one thing that I think comes to mind, like with this idea is, like I can go to the gym, like you said, the motivation factor, I can go every day and not be in sin or struggle. It's just something that I do and I like, but it's like, when does something get in the way of that? How do you respond? Exactly. Is, yeah. is it like, I will at all costs make this happen, even if it means my kids are not well taken care of. My husband is stressed because he has to step in where I've, you know, dropped off the kids or whatever it is. The thing in the book that they put out is like an exercise um, questionnaire. Is it an obsession that's become an idol that needs some health and healing and yeah. backing away? Or is it something that is really good for our body that you use as a stress reliever? It, it, I think it comes down to the motivation. So I don't think you can look at somebody who goes to the gym every day and say they struggle with body image and an eating disorder but you'd have to know their motivation behind why they go. I mean, my counselor in marriage, he says, you go to the gym, Ashley, to give yourself a hug. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. He's like, it's your coping mechanism for life. And it doesn't mean that that's necessarily bad, but if it at, if it's only, you know, at all costs, it must happen, or my day is thrown off, or I don't feel good about myself, that's when it's been lifted to a much higher level than it should be. So. I do think that it's a slippery slope. If you have a focus on body, I think it will end up to, to be an obsession. And she says that in the book too. It's like habits related to like health like this, where you go and reinforce that mindset of mm -hmm. I'm at the gym and I'm reinforcing the idea that skinniness or beauty is the ultimate thing. Every time I go, I reinforce that message. Yeah. So that habit is so deeply rooted in our soul, not only just a habitual activity, it's rooted in our soul that unwinding that is really difficult because that message is being played out on a very consistent basis. Yeah. So hard. Yeah. So what about if we shift to as a believer, how do believers distinguish the difference between taking care of their body? Because that's very biblical as a temple of God that we would steward it well and then abusing it to the point of addiction. Can you help 
with that? So this is a little hard to answer just because like we were just saying, I think so much of it can be like what's happening in here and here versus like the like actual like physical like exercise we're doing or the eating like sometimes I think it could all look really healthy and good but it may not be and it may be an addiction even if it looks totally normal um I was I was gonna say I um I did this like continuing education um thing around exercise and eating disorders and um, the the guy who was um, speaking posted um, a picture of people exercising and he said this is a picture of healthy exercise and then he posted another picture and he said this is a picture of unhealthy exercise and it was the same picture <laughs> and the point was like it literally can look the same and so it's really hard I mean it's a hard question to answer but I will say I thought this was really interesting you know the first Corinthians where Paul's talking about you know our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit he's actually talking about sexual purity and uh, you know our bodies aren't our own and we were bought at a price and you know and so yes we're stewards of our bodies and so we, or we have to be good stewards of our bodies and so I think that includes a lot of things not just purity but um what I will say is I do think that verse gets misused a lot <laughs> for diet purposes I think there's like Christian diets out there and you know that use you know, verses like this to kind of encourage people. And so I think it's helpful to know like the context of that verse. But what I will say is that I think we want to treat our bodies like well, because like we embody the Holy Spirit, right? Like the, if the Holy Spirit lives in us, like we want to treat our bodies well. We don't want to starve our bodies. We don't want to, um, you know, we don't want to to binge and purge and we don't want to, you know, restrict. And we, you know, these are things that of course, like we don't, we don't want to do that. And so I think that like, I would say maybe a good place to start is if you're trying to figure out like, okay, as a Christian, like how do I honor God in my body? It's like, okay, well, let me take a step back and like assess, like, you know, is there anything that I'm doing that is not honoring to God? Am I like, how much am I thinking about this? How much is it on my mind, how much is it affecting my mood? How much is it affecting my choices, my time? And from there, then we kind of maybe look at like, how can we make some different, you know, make some changes? Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Um, Diane Cook just shared, she said, I just listened to a message about healthy living and body image from a woman's um, minister named Jess Connolly. And I was going to say that there's her new book is just coming out. I just pre-ordered it about body shame. Yeah. Um, so I haven't read it because it hasn't come out yet, but June 22nd, I believe it comes out. So I ordered that book and I feel like this message is timely for all of us because it can, it can be a struggle and you don't even realize it because it's become normal yeah. within our world and our friendships and all of this. And so I think anybody could step back and say, have I taken this to the point of addiction? Has it become, become an unhealthy idol? Do, do, does exercise serve me or do I serve exercise? Like who's master and who's slave? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, going on vacation is always a really good indicator of how healthy I am with exercise because it's not usually as easy to make it happen. Yeah. So I think, I can trick myself into thinking I'm doing better with exercise than I actually am until we go on something that disrupts routine where now I'm feeling anxious. When, when am I going to get it in? I'm stressing about it. Um, and the people around me are seeing me trying to squeeze it in or figure out ways, you know, where it's just consuming my mind and I'm missing out on vacation. So 
One other question, um, how can we have a healthy body image when we are surrounded by these perfect airbrushed bodies? I mean, what my answer is, don't look at them. <laughs> like try to eliminate them as much as you can because they're not, I, they're not real. I think my natural tendency is to tear them down um, to make myself feel better. Like her body doesn't look like that. I know it doesn't. And she's airbrushed and fake. And that's not, that doesn't make me feel any better. I've just worn them down. Um, they're a daughter of someone and they are a woman that probably struggles. I mean, if you watch any of these documentaries of these famous women, you see most of them had eating disorders. Most of them hate their body or have lived with body shame and have been not only their own shame, but their producer's shame, their parents' shame, whoever's yeah. you know, hoping to get them to this level of stardom they want and they haven't fit the mold for the body. So like having compassion upon those people versus judging them and criticizing them and then protecting your eyes from seeing that and making it about physical versus um, what, what they have inside of them, their heart. Like don't be the shell of a woman, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I would say similar. Like I think that, you know, for most women who you see that look like these perfect, they have like quote unquote perfect bodies or, you know, they, they're, they kind of fit this like ideal type. Um, I often, you know, look at that and just think, you know, I, again, compassion, like I wonder what it took for, for them to look that way because it's rare that a body like that exists in nature, right? Like that's not typically what happens when you just, you know, exist and, you know, feel your body and, you know, even just normal exercise. Like, I, I don't, I don't know that that's a very typical body type that occurs in nature. And so I think just having compassion, like, wow, you know, hmm, I wonder what all she had to go through for that. And we never really know what's going on with people. So like, sometimes people do, have, you know, people have eating disorders and that's why their body looks that way, or maybe they don't. And we don't want to assume, but I think having compassion is important. And I also just think, like you said, we have to filter. Like we can't, if you're seeing things that trigger you in that way, you just don't look at it. You know, it's like, you don't have to expose yourself to things that, you know, I don't think the answer is to like avoid anything that's upsetting to you. That's also not the, you know, the, the way to do it. But if you're like scrolling on social media and you're like, you, every time you see this one person and you're like, uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, makes me feel bad about myself or like I, I just have these like bad thoughts or I, you know, I, it makes me want to obsess about my body, then don't look at it. I just think that's the best way to, to handle that. And one thing you said just about what it took to get what this unnatural body may look like. There was a very um, popular, famous exercise guru who kind of came out and said, I had to finally admit to these people that were just, you know, bowing at my feet saying you have the body of a goddess. Mm -hmm. How did you get that? And she was like, miserably. I was absolutely miserable. I couldn't sleep. I had, you know, kind of drugged herself with caffeine to be able to stay awake. But then when she was trying to sleep, she couldn't. And she's living off of miserable type of food to survive. And, and her producers were encouraging it because gosh, if you can show this ripped body, people are going to buy that, but at the expense money. of her marriage. Yeah. For money. And so for her to come out and kind of say, I, I have to be honest, don't do what I did was so encouraging to me. But I think if I can have that mindset about all the people that I might look at as I want that, ask that question. What did that take? What did they have to sacrifice? And for why? What is it worth? And we are out of time, but I, I do love this question. I just want to ask it really, really quick. How do Barbies play into the little girl's body image? 
Oh, yeah. Well, so I think just like we're discerning about, you know, we're talking about discernment for ourselves. I think we want to extend that same discernment for our children. So whether it's like the toys that they play with, the shows that they watch or the shows they don't watch or movies or like books even, you know, I mean, really, like, I think that diet culture and beauty ideals can seep through all of that. And so with Barbies, like, I think, you know, there have been lots of different studies, there's been a study that, you know, where even children as little as three, after they play with Barbies, like they, like on like inventories or question, you know, when they're questioned, they tend to prefer or they're more interested in bot like smaller bodies or, um, you know, and so I do think it, it, it does have an impact. And, um, you know, I think as parents, like we get to choose what we let our kids play with, we get to choose, you know, to a certain, to a certain extent, you know, when they're at least when they're young. And so I think that it's important that we are discerning about those choices. And I think it's so good for kids to see body diversity too, like to see different, you know, shapes and sizes, because that's mm -hmm. what's reflective, I think, of our, our world. Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much for your time. I want to do it again with more of these topics, because I think it reaches a really broad spectrum of people that may be struggling with this. And so thank you for your time and wisdom. And we'll do it again, for sure. Thanks, everybody for listening. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home, where it all begins.